Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Greetings, everyone. Welcome. My name is Andy Neal, and you're listening to The Hiker Podcast. What is up there, hikers? You're listening to the podcast that gets to know the hiker behind the trekking poles. The podcast that asks the why questions of hiking. The podcast that asks hikers, how has hiking changed you? And how are you now changing the world around you? That's right. You're listening to the Hiker Podcast, which is brought to you by C.S. Instant Coffee. Seriously, the best instant coffee on the trail. If you want 10% off your order, put in Hiker Podcast in the promo code. When you check out, use the link in the bio or the description. Whatever it is, wherever you're listening. Also, Canuck Outdoors, based in the amazing Portland, Oregon. They handmade, handmake, they handmade mine, and they'll handmake your trekking poles. I have the carbon fiber cork trekking poles. They are amazing. And if you like 10% off those, guess what? Use the promo code HikerPodcast. Also, buy a Visica and a Vecto while you're there, because you're going to need them anyways. You know you are. Knock out doors. Yes, it's a coffee. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show. Also, thank you to the Patreons who support the show every month. Patreon is a subscription type service. You get all kinds of rewards um, for supporting the show. And there's different levels. So a big thank you to Deb, Tommy, Jacob, Ren, Daniel, Cade, Danielle, Mike, Stephanie, Alistair, Chad, Renee, and let's not leave out Ava or Annette who sponsored the show. And uh, thank you so much. If you'd like to uh, help out the show and get rewards like our new hiking is for everybody sticker go to the link in the description of this episode or go to hikerpodcast.com and uh check it out but no obligation at all also if you want more information about the show to go to hikerpodcast.com it has a bunch of links to a bunch of different places you can listen also has a link to apple Podcasts where you can leave a review which is super helpful to us because apple podcast is still the king of podcasts so it's very very helpful leaving a five-star written review with some comments let us know what you like about the show it's uh it makes me feel good hope y'all are having a joyous and uh just uh eventful first part of your summer it's uh june now and uh, we're getting into warmer months i know it was 103 here in southern oregon the other day a little hot yeah a little hot but looking forward to getting out some backpacking on the pct some more day hikes and uh, hopefully a through hike later in August. We'll see. We'll see. So this week, though, we have a repeat guest, Julia Rocket Sheehan. She just completed her through hike of the AZT, also known as the Arizona Trail, which spans the length of the state of Arizona from the Mexico border up to Utah. She vlogged her entire journey and also created a documentary about it, which I encourage you to check out. Just go to link in the descriptions episode to see everything that she does. And uh, I would encourage you to check it out. We have an amazing conversation about mental health and about her journey. And yeah, it was just really good talk. And I, I've, I've really enjoyed having her on the show. She's been super supportive of me and my journey. So 
without any more blabbing from me about sponsors and this and that and the other thing, I'd like to uh, introduce Icom, my, my second conversation I've had with uh, hiker Julia Rocket Sheehan. is having uh, guests come back after they've done a, a long through hike. They've come on, they've talked about other things, and then they come back and we talk about how things change, maybe how perspectives have changed. And we have Julia Rocket Sheehan back on the show. How are you doing today, Julia? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm doing well. It's summertime. I'm, I'm ready to get back on the trail. We just had some more snow dump out here, so I'm ready for all of to go away as much as we need it. But yeah. Um, it's, it's raining here today, so I'm uh, stuck inside. Uh, you experienced a lot of extremes in weather the past few months as you were completing the Arizona Trail. Um, before we get into that, um, people maybe who have not listened to your prior episode at the beginning of season one, just give yourself a quick intro who you are, where you come from. Yeah, sure. So I am Julia Rocket Sheehan. Uh, first, people know me from my first through hike of the Appalachian Trail in 2019, which pretty much catalyzed my life as being hiker trash. And most recently, did the Arizona Trail. But when I'm not on trail, I'm a jack of all trades, a veteran from the United States Air Force, an emergency room nurse, and sometimes a bartender when I don't feel like being a nurse. So you had you have the quite experienced life just from everything from being in the air force being a veteran to working as a nurse through covid through all this craziness uh to hiking these huge long trails um what is it that got you into hiking in particular just kind of short answer on that i was just looking for a different life i had the you know white picket fence in the house and the job in the car and i just wanted something different so was researching van life and stumbled across through hiking and never looked back. And you, you had everything. And I, I've seen you post on your Instagram how you you kind of had the, the stereotypical Instagram life. You know, you had everything you wanted. You're you're trying to make yourself look good on Instagram and do all the fun stuff. And then you've kind of turned things around. And now what you hold precious now is so much different. It's not the American dream. It's, you know, getting out on a long trail and, and living out, out of a backpack for six months or four months. And so much so you're getting ready to do it again for the second through hike this year. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're, you did the Arizona trail, which we've had a few different Arizona trail hikers on this show, but what is it to you that appealed to you? appeal to you about the Arizona Trail. It's a harsh trail. It's a it's a difficult trail. It's not it's not easy. Well, this is going to be surprising, but I actually wanted to escape the like mid-Atlantic northeastern winter, which we'll talk shortly about how I absolutely <laughs> did not escape winter at all on the AZT. And that was under preparation on my part, but I just was ready to get out after 2020 being a, just a terrible year for human and humans in general. I needed to find something that I could do early in the season and still be able to complete it. Um, so a friend of mine had um, asked me to do the AZT with him, and I ended up doing it without him, but making some amazing friends along the way on the AZT. 
So talk about that. Um, I remember reading an article. You were you were hiking with, with other veterans uh, on the AZT. Was that right? It's so weird. Yeah. So I started the trail with a guy who had um, been injured in tech school. So he's like technically a veteran, but he's kind of at that gray area. Um, two Marine or three Marine veterans and then myself, which is also a veteran. And in our group, there was one non-veteran whose name was Carol Mulberry. She was just this total free-spirited, amazing woman. Um, but yeah, we all hiked together. I ended up finishing the trail with one Marine veteran and then the guy who ended up getting injured in technical school. So it was really cool. Um, I'd never hiked with that many veterans or really veterans in general. So it was an amazing experience to connect with them. So you get to the trail. What was that like? I mean, you, 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 you started at the, the, the border, border wall kind of ended where Trump's border wall got, got stopped when he lost the election. What was that experience? like seeing this huge wall and this monument there it's on the other side of the wall but you can kind of crawl around to it talk a little bit about that because i don't think people really realize that the start of the arizona trail is right at the end of that wall there yes so and the wall was is probably not going to be completed but i just want to put a little disclaimer that we did quote unquote break some rules going to the border because the national park service or the national forest service had put out a you know memo saying that they do not recommend going to the border wall because of the dangers of the construction site however when we went there there was no construction no vehicles and nobody around the forest ranger the park ranger literally waved at us and was like have a good one as we walked down to the border <laughs> when we came back was like hey have a good one again was very civil with us so i'm going to personally say i do not recommend going and breaking any rules however that being probably the only chance i'll ever get to see the mexican border from arizona um, i definitely took the risk and i went down there and it was actually really surreal and it's this massive 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 iron like huge rebar like wall with cement and it's just completely destructive to the natural oh. habitat um, in that region which is already really sensitive to changes as well like weather and there's like a ocelot population that's really stressed down there so for people that were berating me online for it i think a lot of people just wanted to see someone not break the rules. And in reality, breaking those rules opened my eyes to why we need to expose certain things that are happening in our like park systems. Absolutely. So you've done the Appalachian Trail before. Have you ever done any desert hiking before this? Uh, no, I was in Zion like two Januarys ago for like some day hikes and stuff. Um, but that was the closest I had ever been to legitimate desert hiking so this was my first mm -hmm. experience uh in the desert begging for water the sun beating down on me so what was that like you're you're in the you're in the desert in late winter in spring and people think of the desert and they think of arizona they think of just dry sandy maybe a bunch of sequoia cacti they don't think of this diverse you know environment describe kind of your 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 what, what surprised you about the first 100 miles of hiking through the Arizona desert? I mean, day one, we climbed up to 9,100 feet, and we had a foot of snow fall on us. Well, maybe not a foot, <laughs> but that's an extreme, but maybe six inches of snow, and it was 20 degrees. I almost froze to death. I was miserable. And then the next day, it was 85 degrees, full sun. We were struggling for water. So it's so diverse, depending on your elevation, which, you know, the Arizona Trail has is not as elevationly, like, 
challenging as the Appalachian Trail, but you could climb 3,000, 4,000 feet and be in freezing cold temperatures with snow. And then you go down to the low desert and you're with saguaro cactuses where you are packing out 12 pounds of water. And there's just cactuses, so many species of cactuses. There's a really diverse wildlife system there, which we didn't see much of because we started so early in the season. But there's pine forest, the largest ponderosa pine forest in the world runs runs with the Arizona Trail and you hike through it for a huge portion. So there's so much to it. It's not just a desert and cactus. There are mountains, there are snow. It's absolutely wonderful. So let's talk a little bit about what was going on with Julia during this trail? You, you, you've talked on your videos and online about just kind of trying to find the sense of home. What was that journey like getting yeah. on the Arizona trail for you? So when I came home from the Appalachian trail, it took me a very long time to like get over the post trail blues. And then when I mm-hmm. did shortly after we went into a global pandemic that threatened you know, humanity as we know it. And so going through all of that, and then I was also starting to struggle with some depression and increased anxiety, um, which I've had anxiety my whole life, but never truly depression. So I developed this like depressive episode, which had me in therapy on medication. And when, you know, after 2020, I was in therapy, I was doing really well. And I decided to do the Arizona trail. I thought this was a really great opportunity to like maybe get back to where I felt so good and at peace, which was on the AT. And a mistake I made was thinking that getting back on trail would fix everything. Like the Appalachian Trail kind of rewired my soul and my brain. Mm-hmm. And the Arizona Trail did not do that. And at first I was really upset because I was still struggling with a lot of the things that I was in therapy for. And eventually after being on the trail long enough, I kind of all of those things dissolved away. And I kind of found Rocket, the woman that, you know, was born on the Appalachian Trail again, but in a very different way. Um, The Arizona Trail was rugged and treacherous and honestly, downright miserable at times. But the experience itself just kind of like reminded me that the trail doesn't fix you. It doesn't cure you, but it does give you something, a resource that helps you like heal yourself. So what is it about hiking that it doesn't does hiking by no means takes the place of mental health professionals and going to going to a therapist and counseling but what is it about hiking, and in particular this experience for you, that does benefit one's mental health? And what, how would you encourage someone who's maybe looking into hiking um, to do it for their mental health? Yes, I'm so happy you asked this question. And as a disclaimer, again, I would never recommend throwing out your mental health medications and going and hiking a long trail. That's not the answer. However, I started realizing, and I had made like a, a post about this on social media, that finding purpose for my body actually found a purpose for my mind. So I think at home, a lot of times we're sitting on the couch, we're working out, but our our minds and our bodies are more more idle at home than they are on trail. Because at trail, you have, you know, how many more hours a day are you active? You're and then you're physically and mentally all working together, even subconsciously to like, find this goal. And I started realizing that that purpose for my body was what was catalyzing this healing like subconscious thing in my mind, where at the end of the day, I wasn't having thoughts about all the intrusive things that had been going through my mind for the last year. But instead, it was like, I'm hungry, and I'm tired. And let's talk about our day. Let's talk about that snake we saw. Let's look up at the stars that are completely and utterly glowing and beautiful. And something about just that, like, simple, simple way of life gets rid of all of that fuzz of like, the anxiety and the depression and the things that were really, you know, stressful for me. And 
it wasn't until I came home again that like those things started resurfacing. And I'm like, okay, like I'm constantly finding myself being pulled back to the trail because that is where my mind is able to kind of like be in a balanced situation. Do you think that having the pandemic happen right before that though? You, I mean, you were, you were a working nurse during a pandemic, so it's not like you were not busy, but do you think having that happening where things were, you know, when you weren't at work, you pretty much couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't do a whole lot. And then getting out and getting on the trail where you're active for 12 plus hours a day. Do you think that kind of accentuated that extreme from, you know, being at home to being on the trail, constantly being active? Absolutely. I think, like I said, 2020 was just a miserable year for most of us and getting to go out on trail because of, you know, the vaccines rolling out and just getting able, being able to escape or quote unquote, like lives from 2020, I think just, really helped catalyze like that healing for me um, in a very quick way. So I'm very thankful that I was able to leave, you know, the pandemic was still technically not over. It's still winding down in certain um, aspects, but I definitely felt safe. You know, there was almost no one on the trail. We didn't see anyone for, you know, a few weeks. So it felt much safer to be out there. Absolutely. So how does that pan out now? You're getting ready to hike the Continental Divide Trail here pretty soon. But how does that pan out with what's your thinking on how that works out in everyday life? You get off the trail and then you you have to go back to work. You have to, you have to make money. How does, how do you incorporate the moving of your body and purpose with the everyday grind? It's really hard because I came home and I was in amazing shape and I'm like, I'm going to keep this up for the CDT. So I'm going out, I'm running, I'm, you know, helping my mom with the farm work, which I'm still doing and it's breaking my back. So don't own a farm unless you have a strong back, but just finding ways to stay busy. So instead of going back to nursing, because I knew that I was only home for two to three months, I decided to get a bartending job, which has you on your feet. It has you kind of mentally stimulated because you're constantly like, listening to people, giving them what they want. And it's, I'm not saying that bartending is rocket science, but it's very similar to nursing where your people are asking you for things and you're providing them. You're on your feet. You're relatively busy. Um, I like to say bartending and nurses are the same. They do the same job. Just one gives drugs and one gives alcohol. <laughs> um, and you know, you're dealing with drunk people as opposed to really scared sick people, but it's a very similar job. So I think coming home, it's really hard because you don't have the time to walk eight hours a day. So finding a way to stay above it, which I'm really bad at, because for the last couple of weeks, I have been just complete couch potatoed, vegged out, gaining weight, losing my trail legs. And you know, if somebody has recommendations, you know, throw them my way, because I still struggle with maintaining that, you know, balance of like off trail life activity. Shifting gears a little bit here, talk a little bit about the relationships with people you had on trail, you had the Appalachian trail and you have your, your, the people you hike with. And then the Arizona trail, you had that group you, you hiked with. How have, how do those relationships kind of come together on trail? You, 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 you may not know this person very well. And all of a sudden you're thrown into a situation where you're having to depend on these people. And then you all go your separate ways after, you know, two, three months, you know, not seeing each other back to your regular lives. How does that relationship develop? And then how does it work after trail? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think on trail, you meet people you would never in a million years think you would meet or you don't think you would like this person. But then when you're in this situation where you're out in the sun, 
getting away from the rain, you know, trying to find clean water, you develop this just connection with people and even people that you may not like after the trail, like you might see them for their faults after, but during the trail, you're put in this like really little bubble of just like existing. And, you know, I've met people on trail that have gotten under my skin, but I've also met people that have enhanced my life. And both of those people, the good, the bad, the ugly, they create, they allow you to change and see your, your actions and how you are. And you just, because you rely so heavily on each other and it's like, you want to get a room together, let's go eat. Um, who's going to do laundry this time? Like I have to go resupply. You become this family. And even my own blood family doesn't understand the connection that a lot of trail families have, because I don't know anyone that spends 24 seven for a hundred days with people and doesn't come out with this intense connection. And then coming home, it's really difficult because at the end of the trail, both trails that I've hiked, I constantly remind myself that you'll never be in the same situation with these same exact people ever again. So to embrace all of it and just kind of engulf yourself in their friendships and try to maintain friendships afterwards. And I visited multiple of my AT trail family members and um, both of the guys that I finished the AZT, we have plans to kind of meet up over the coming months. But it's just, it's tough because they come into your life and then they're out of your life. And it's just like the trail where the trail is everything to you. And then the trail is just like a memory. And I think maintaining that sense of urgency where like you have to keep connected with them as much as they have to keep connected with you. And if one person steps back and kind of loses touch, then that's the relationship. So you have to stay really vigilant. So you recorded your journey, you filmed your journey, which even for me as someone who, who works in film and videography professionally, the discipline to film a hike is tough because sometimes you're like, I don't want to get the camera. Out. I don't, want, I just, how do you find the discipline to, to film as much as you did? You have, I'm, I'm looking here, 15 videos. You're recording, filming, editing and uploading these videos while on trail. What, what inspired you to start doing that and continue with that since the Appalachian trail and uh, what, what keeps you going? Yeah. The reason why I will always vlog my hikes is, really selfish, honestly, because I like being able to go back and relive a moving memory with the people that mean so much to me and the experience that, you know, is really important to me. So for me, it was just like, I wanted to be able to look back. I'd been journaling since I was 10. I, you know, started vlogging very shortly before the AT and just wanting to, you know, connect with people and also being able to go back and relive those memories with people. Um, and the discipline is just one of those things where if it's a really special moment, I don't pull my camera out. Um, and there's plenty of days where it's like so many good things go unwitnessed on my camera because I just want to be in the moment. Um, but the way I look at it is like, if you're going to stop and look at a view, you're going to stop and take it in anyway. So take the view in and then take your camera out. You have 10 seconds to record whatever you want. And when people say like, you're detracting from the through hike. Well, in my opinion, I'm still getting that same view, but I'm taking an extra 10 seconds to capture it in a way that I'll remember it later on. Um, so yeah, it does take discipline on the AT with all the rain. There was days where it's like, I don't even want to stop moving. I don't want to eat lunch. I just want to keep going. Um, but I try to think of it as like, will you want to remember this day, you know, mm -hmm. for good, for bad type two fun style, like, Oh, remember that day of rain, like for 24 hours and we were like, you know, our toes were wrinkly. And then I get to like, look back and say like, Oh, here was that day. And like, see the smiles that we had and the joke that we told or something. So to me, it's not so hard. And now it's just a part of what I do on trail. So it's really just ingrained into my daily activities. 
So I'm getting ready to hike the Tahoe Rim Trail here in, in August. And I have the same camera you do, the little Osmo Pocket. Thing's amazing. I've taken on a few day hikes. What would suggestion would you give to me or somebody else listening who's wanting to vlog and record the through hike with a, with a camera like that? It's really easy. It's really, it's really intuitive. What suggestion would you give to them practically and technically? Sure. So um, be yourself. Don't try to be smiley if you're not happy. Don't try to cry if you're not really sad. Just be yourself. Um, I say try to keep dialogue to poignant and simple because I personally get distracted away from people that are just like constantly talking into the video camera just because like I want to get an over like an overall general mood and then I want to see what you're doing and maybe I want to see some b-roll which is like panning of from a plant to a view or from a view to a plant something that's just like think about if you were watching a movie like the the dramatic effect of like panning around and like going up into the sun and like shadows and lighting is really important um and also just capture the moment and capture people talking. You might catch a funny joke or, you know, might catch someone slipping and it would be funny. Um, and also don't have it out all day. Um, remind yourself that you're there to hike. You're not there to record a documentary unless you are then record your documentary. Um, but just try to be present, but also try to keep the camera. So it's not intruding on everybody. And I think that that's really important is to like allow it just to be like a background thing capturing the moments instead of being like hey guys here's my camera talk into it you know just kind of like ask them a question and then pull your camera out and just have it be as organic as possible um yeah and technically it's just good lighting um i use a lot of slow-mos because that dj dji osmo is so good at those Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so good and then if you have the ability to use copyright free music i think music only enhances a video that you share just because it gives you a mood and it kind of makes you feel a little bit more but other than that, just create the way you want it, the way you want to tell your story yourself and just tell it authentically. And it definitely comes across in your videos, especially the last one you did um, documenting the whole hike. What inspired you to do the, the the vlogs and then do basically a mini doc as well as those vlogs? Was it just something you always wanted to do? You kind of just want to encapsulate it. Why do the vlogging and the documentary? That's a great question. So I I did that for the AT as well, just because I feel like my vlogs were very simple and there wasn't much to it. But I, I really like the ability to narrate um, the the hike. And because I post my videos in real time, like when I'm on trail, it makes it hard to like narrate everything, which just can be adding a lot more work. And I like to just get to town, make the video, send it out into the cyberspace. And then when I come home, I like to be able to kind of narrate and add like a little bit of poetry and maybe some, you know, some things to help redirect the story to make it just a little bit more theatrical. And Mm. for me, I also think not everyone has the time to sit down and watch 15, 10 minute vlogs, but they can sit down for 20 minutes and watch the vlogumentary documentary of underneath the Arizona sky. And I feel like those are my, like the vlogs help me tell the story of the documentary. So it's really helpful. And I just like when I come home to relive those memories through clipping through, you know, clicking through clips and stuff and rewatching stuff. So when, when you're on trail and editing, are you doing that from your phone or are you, you, you hauling a laptop or? Oh, I do it from my phone. I use the wow. very, very technically advanced iMovie, which is very simple to use. Um, yeah, I upload everything to my phone. I make the videos on iMovie and I add them to YouTube and then I delete everything and I just keep everything on an SD card. Um, it's pretty simple, but you know, it's a little bit more work than just shooting on your phone, but I think it really, really enhances the videos. If you use like something with stabilization. 
Absolutely. And that, that camera is so good for that. And you see it come across, especially those whip pans when you're, you're filming someone and all of a sudden you hit, you double click that button, it flips back to you and it just adds so much. And you're not sitting there getting seasick from watching somebody go on the trail. It's that's those stabilizers. I Osmo, I, they're not a sponsor, but if you want to be, I would totally recommend you because it's an amazing, amazing little camera for hikers. Absolutely. Yeah. So shifting gears back here a little bit in, in the, the documentary, you talked about that when you had 105 miles left, you wanted to quit. You're like, I'm done. I'm out. What is it without giving away what it's too much of the documentary, but what is it that kept you from quitting and going on to Utah? Oh, I wanted to quit so bad. My feet were absolutely trashed from the wrong shoes and doing two 30 mile days. And what, right before we got to the city, the town just South of the grand Canyon, I, absolutely I did quit in my mind I was like I'm, I was looking at flights I was looking at shuttles to the nearest airport and you know my friend Gabe his trail name is wing it he said let's get to town uh, let's go get lunch let's have a shower okay after that call your family and then after that you can quit so you know they say like never quit on a bad day and I've been saying that for years but this was like the day that I just couldn't physically take a step further. And after a shower and a nice fajita lunch and calling my family, my brother said, you absolutely cannot quit. You have come this far, you know, to quit would be a disservice to you. Not that they, of course they want me home, but they wanted me to not feel like I failed myself. And they knew that had I gone home, I would have failed myself and feeling like I had, you know, a few more days left which were miserable after the Grand Canyon. It was like a 30 mile road walk, um, which was absolutely terrible. But it ended up, I'm so glad that I finished the trail with just, you know, the tiniest little fraction left. So yeah, it, it's just family and support and not quitting on a bad day, I guess. So what would, what would you tell someone who they're, they're, they're doing through hike PCT Appalachian Trail and they're like, I want to quit. Should they quit? What, 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 what thought process would, what questions would you ask them if they're seriously considering quitting or, or maybe in their mind have already quit? Yeah, I don't know. There's, and on the Arizona trail, when we hiked, there was like of the people we met 60 to 70% of the people we met quit the Arizona trail because we started so early and just the group we were out there with was people that had done 10, 15, 20,000 miles on foot. And there were people just getting off trail left and right. They just, it was a rough year to do it the time we did. But I think if any hikers on trail and they've not seriously considered, considered quitting, like there is something wrong with you. I don't know. You must be such a masochist that you completely love the pain and discomfort that the idea of getting away from that doesn't cross your mind. Um, but I always tell people like, of course, you say never quit on a bad day. But my suggestion is truly ask yourself, are you enjoying being out there? Is it benefiting you? Is it enhancing your life? And if it's not, then, you know, you're probably out there for the wrong reasons and maybe going home is the right thing to do. Don't ever finish something just to prove you can because, you know, you don't have to prove it to anyone but yourself if you want to. Um, I just say, really ask yourself why you're there to begin with. Is it because it's trendy? Is it because you wanted to escape your life? Um, and then figure out if the trail is truly bringing anything to your table, because if it's not, then, you know, what's the point of doing it? Um, and there's going to be times where I'm sure that I get to that point where it's like this trail isn't enhancing my life. And maybe that day I'll take a zero or a double zero, or maybe I will, you know, take an extra long break and just, you know, whatever, hang out. But I think the question is not whether or not you feel like you're going to quit, but what you do when you feel that way. It's 
it can be tough. And I know a lot of people on the Air, um, Appalachian Trail right now that are really struggling there at miles 700 to 1,000. And that's where the trail becomes real because you still have a long way to go, but you've already gone a long way. So your body is starting to feel tired. Mm. And my recommendation is just, is the trail helping your life? Is it enhancing your life? And are you growing? And if not, then you could go home. Compare the feeling you had getting to Mount Kadadin in Maine and getting to the Utah border this time. What was the same? What was different about that? Uh, so obviously Katahdin is this epically beautiful mountain on, you know, you're on the top of a mountain in central Maine and you've been out there for five and a half, six months. And it's just this, you've been waiting for days and days and days and days and days and through terrible weather. And it's of course being the first one, it's going to be so emotional. And then on the Arizona trail, I had hiked the people that I finished with both had like over 10,000, 15,000 miles under their feet. So for them, this was just like another notch on the belt. And for me, this was being my sophomore through hike. So it, for me, it was important to, you know, feel good about it because I know had I, had I hated that trail, the CDT probably wouldn't ever be happening. Um, it was, it was exciting just because the Arizona trail was so extreme and we were so ready to be done. Um, and on the AT, I just kind of never wanted it to end. Um, but it's exciting. You get to see when you see that, that, you know, terminus, the sign or, you know, the structure there that you can touch and like quantify, like I did this. Um, it's always exciting. And it's so, you know, I always feel super proud. Um, unfortunately, the Arizona trail was a lot less, you know, mountain view, crying tears and all that. It was more of just like, heck yeah, boys, we did it. We popped a bottle of Prosecco and, you know, hung out and met some Hayduke hikers and waited for three hours for our ride to come get us because you're in the middle of the desert <laughs> on BLM land. And it was funny because a half mile from the terminus, there was a trailhead on the road that because we had decided to road walk. And there was a, a, a sign for these petroglyphs. And I thought, we only got one more mile. It's like 4pm. Like, let's go check out these petroglyphs. So we ran a mile round trip to go look at these petroglyphs. And it's like, well, when are we ever going to get a chance to be out here again? So it was much different where it wasn't like, go, 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 we have to get there. It was like, you know, we just kind of moseyed over there, touched the sign and had some wine and some champagne and just, you know, went our ways. And it was much different, but it was still very special. And now after all that, you were talking about being a masochist earlier. You're getting back out there on the Continental Divide Trail. I know we talked earlier this year, you talked about maybe there being a second through hike, maybe it was the PCT, maybe the CDT. Why the CDT? Because it's it's quite unforgiving. It's not completely developed as far as like an actual route all the way through. There's not as many trail angels as maybe the PCT. It's not as well known. Talk about masochism. Why the hardest one? <laughs> <laughs> well, some would argue that the CDT is technically the easiest, but logistically the hardest. Um, I think having done the AZT, it's logistically challenging. Um, you're doing 160 mile food carries. You're doing 20, 30, 40 mile water carries. Um, I was I was debating doing the PCT. I had a permit that I released right before I got back um, that I was planning on doing the PCT like a week after I returned. My permit date was for, you know, 10 or 15 days after I got home from the AZT. Um, but my cat got sick and he is now on hospice, little kitty hospice. So um, he doesn't have much longer. So that's why I'm able to do the CDT. But for me, it was just being here with him. And uh, my mom had some personal things she needed me to help 
her take care of one of her elderly dogs because apparently we're just running a hospice for animals here. But um, so it was kind of the decision to like be responsible and help my mom and be there for my pet um, aside from just going on another adventure. So luckily for me, the CDT is still an option for me and I'm very excited to do that. Um, But I, I can't wait for the PCT. That will probably be next year if I can swing it. Very cool. Very cool. What is it about the CDT that you're most excited about? You know, you, you do all the research, you watch all the videos, you see all the Instagram posts. Is there something about that trail that, that, that you're just anticipating? Um, so talking with the two guys that I did the AZT with, their names are Mayer and Winget. They had both done the CDT. One had done it Sobo and one had done it Nobo. And apparently the wind range is supposed to be like drop dead gorgeous. Um, and then the Great Basin is supposed to be like pretty cool. Um, but I'm just excited to be in like a really rugged, like Western, like Montana is absolutely stunning. I've been to Montana, Wyoming. I've never been super excited. And I just want to see these like big, high, gnarly mountain ranges. Um, and I'm actually hiking it with two really badass chicks. Um, Becca Little Skittle and Gail Mueller. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both so cool. And we're actually starting Sobo together. Oh, so you're going southbound. Um, Sobo for once. Oh my gosh, I'm a traitor to the Nobo uh, people. <laughs> but yes, in order for me to do the CDT, Sobo is was the way we're going. Yeah, it's that late. <laughs> Absolutely. So if people want to continue to follow you on your journey as you, you, you head on the CDT, where would, where would they follow you at? Where would they go? Oh, you'll just have to send a carrier pigeon. Um, no, I do. Um, I'll be doing my YouTube videos. I haven't decided whether or not I'll be releasing them in real time. Most likely, yes. Um, and then, of course, just Instagram. Those are my two two methods to connect with me. Very cool. Very cool. Julia, thank you so much for coming on again and, and sharing your story. And uh, we'll have a link to your Instagram and YouTube in the description, description of this episode. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing the rest of your journey for the rest of this year. Good luck. Awesome, Andy. Thank you so much for having me on again. Big thank you to Julia for coming on the show again. She has been, I said it before and I'll say it again, amazing to me, very encouraging to me and what I'm doing. So thank you for coming on, Julia. And uh, you're always welcome on the show. And thank you all for listening through the whole thing. Um, You guys are amazing. I love my listeners. I love how you encourage me. You lift me up, man. It's so cool. And, uh, yeah for all the different ways to listen go to hikerpodcast.com not all the different ways because different podcast networks pick up the show and i don't even know like amazon picked it up i had no idea they didn't bother to tell me i'm like what i'm on amazon now i googled hiker podcast once I'm like oh we're on amazon now great we're on audible now great so all different kinds of ways to listen but before we go i do want to give you two admonishments one as we're getting into the summer we're getting out there hiking. Let's remember to leave no trace. Seven leave no trace principles can be found on Google. Just go to leave no trace. Google it. It's important that we leave the outdoors better than we find it. Essentially, leave no traces. Leave only footprints. Take only pictures. Because we're getting into the fire season as well. Living out west, it's a big deal. And when you have trash and other brush and things out there and people are disturbing the natural habitats off the trail... It makes fire uh, more hazardous. As you're going out there, you're putting your campfires up. Make sure you put them out dead. Make sure you do what you can to take care of the public lands that we all love to enjoy this time of year and all throughout the year. So please leave no trace. Also, hiking is for everybody. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, your nationality, 
who you love, how you identify, hiking is for everybody. And hiking has been so healing to me that I want to make sure everyone around me has the opportunity, if they so wish, to enjoy hiking. So remember, you see someone out on the trail, say hello. Ask them how their day is. Ask them how their hike is. Tell them, have a great hike. Those little acts of kindness can go a really long way. You never know. With that, guys, make sure you go to hikerpodcast.com for all the different ways to listen. If you'd like to email me directly, two things you can do. You can email me, andy at hikerpodcast.com. Love to hear just your thoughts on the show. If I don't reply immediately, I will reply. I always do reply eventually. Um, if I don't reply within a week, email me again. Just like, hey, want to get this at the top of your inbox? So just so you know, I get a lot of emails. It's cool, though. Um, guest suggestions. Great place to leave those as well. I'd love to hear about different guest suggestions. So, yeah, hit me up on there. Also, follow me on the gram. Andy Films and Hikes. Link to that will be in the description of this episode. You can uh, slide into the DMs, as they say. I don't know. Is that, that, that what the kids are saying now? I don't know. Anyways, DM me there. Totally cool. I check my uh, my um, other inbox, not my follower inbox. I check that every day. So I'll see it. With that, guys, thank you so much for being so cool to me. I encourage you to check out the other episodes of this podcast, uh, the amazing guests we have on here, and to continue to listen. And make sure you leave a review. And uh, yeah, make sure you check out our sponsor, See Us It's a Coffee. And of course, Kanak Outdoors. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Hiker Podcast. And if this is being lost, then may I never be found. I'm still-